blood moon has risen, it is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from other worlds. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. If you have a strange story or terrifying tale you want brought to life, please make your submission at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Now, turn up the sound and turn off the lights. Our animal totems have stories to tell. us to accounts of people being tormented by whispers. Ed was lounging on his couch when he heard the sound of a voice. It was coming from somewhere inside his home. Ed lived alone, therefore he desperately searched to find the source. However, the voice went silent. A couple of days later, the whispers returned. Once again, he attempted to discover its origin. As he approached his television, the voice became a bit louder. He moved closer to get a better listen. It sounded like a man was reciting numbers. Ed tried to record the voice, but it was too faint. He scrambled to unplug the TV and cable box. It didn't work. A woman's voice joined the man in a whispered chant. Ed asked a neighbor to come over to listen, 
However, they did not understand what was being said. Later on, he called the cable company to change out the cable box in hopes that it would put an end to the malevolent voices. It worked. The whispering had stopped. Sometime later, the disembodied voices returned. This time, they could be heard in his bedroom. Jennifer stayed overnight at her boyfriend's house and was left alone while he ran an errand. She was in bed trying to fall asleep when she was stirred by the muffled sound of a woman's voice. It was coming from another room. Jennifer listened intently, but she couldn't understand the words. Terrified, she turned on the lights as well as the television and waited in bed until her boyfriend came home. On another evening, she was alone and decided to clean up the house. Once again, she could hear a voice and it was coming from the basement. Jennifer quietly crept to the basement door, which was inexplicably open. She peered down the darkened stairway. Although she could clearly hear the voice, she could not understand the one-sided conversation. Jennifer trembled with fear. Hello? Who's there? There was no response. Jennifer walked warily down the steps and turned on the lights. She looked around the dank basement. Jennifer was alone. Before we tell the next story, I ask you to help me keep the animal totems happy. Please subscribe, review, and tell your family and friends about Blood Moon Podcast. We also invite you to follow us on Instagram at the Blood Moon Podcast. Now, back to the stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying.
An owl flies in with part two of intruders in Indiana. During the early morning hours of October 5th, two teenage boys were on their bicycles delivering newspapers. The morning before, one of the boys had seen a group of strange lights in a field beyond the dead end of John Street. He assumed that they were a new addition to a nearby electrical substation. Hey, want to see the weird lights I saw yesterday? Yeah. They biked to the end of John Street as the first rays of sunlight trickled over the neighborhood. The boys looked towards the field. Red, green, and white orbs were visible and slowly pulsating. This time the lights were in a different position than the previous morning. They were now closer to Whitewater River and they outlined a curved dark object that was parked on the field. They were now closer to Whitewater River, and they outlined a curved dark object that was parked on the field. The boys were transfixed by the eerie sight. A sulfuric odor pervaded the cool air, while a high-pitched whirr filled the silence. The boys knew that they were looking at a UFO. The crisp sound of movement over the stubble caught their attention. Chills ran down their spines. Someone or something was approaching them. The boys took off on their bikes. Their hearts pounded as they carelessly tossed newspapers at the doors of their customers. They felt as though they were being watched. Later in the afternoon, one of the boys returned to the site. The odor of sulfur still lingered. He soon found three cone-shaped holes in the ground, along with a red dirt-like substance. 
The large holes were in a triangular formation eight feet apart and seven inches deep. Four days later, the landing site was photographed. However, the red substance had disappeared. The night after the paper route encounter, Mr. and Mrs. Jack Lewis and their children cruised along a roadway six miles south of Connorsville. Green, red, and white lights slowly crossed the sky. The light stopped and remained motionless over a field. Out of curiosity, Mr. Lewis turned the car around for another look. There was just one white orb pulsating. Eventually, the orb became brighter, which revealed itself to be a disc with a small dome on top. Then, red and green lights materialized as the object shot away at high speed. In excitement, the witnesses drove to the home of friends in order to share their experience. They gathered outside and waited. Mr. Lewis took to his citizen's band radio transmitter in hopes that locals would be listening while the events unfolded. It's back. It's, it's about 500 yards south of my viewpoint. It's low, very low over the woods. I see it. I see it. Then the lights went out. By this time, seven CB operators from three counties joined the watch. The strange object appeared in the western sky and stopped suddenly. The object's luminosity grew intensely and zipped away. Oh, it just went north by northeast. It's changing colors. Yeah, it's red now. Green. It looks to me like... It looks to me that it's over the Mary Gray Bird Sanctuary. Strange. Just very strange. Yeah, this is Richard Henry. It looks like a red fireball to me. It's uh, about southwest from my position, just above some trees. Covering. Now, now it's pulsating in different colors. What is this thing? Beats me. Whoa, did anyone see that? It just took off at a 45 degree angle. Uh, I lost sight of it when it went your way. Yep, same here. Robert Zimmerman heard the transmissions, initially believing it was a prank until he saw for himself that it was no joke. He took to a CB radio. 
just saw it. It passed by the WNBC tower and uh, uh, the state police radio tower. It's sort it's circling to the north. Looks like a white light with a bit of green on the edge. Uh, holy smokes, this thing just took a 90 degree turn. Whatever it is, it's faster than a jet. Can't hear it either. Uh, if there's uh, anyone out there north of Connorsville, uh, chime in if you see it. A witness 15 miles north could see the intruder. Yeah, I'm, I'm out in Pershing and I can see it. I can see this object. It's weird. Real weird. Later that night, Ray Cox was driving home from work. He was headed south on Highway 121 when he spotted a light. It was quickly approaching the bridge he was now traveling. Cox began to panic and called for help. cut off his message. The light darted over a hilltop home and dove towards the bridge, causing Cox to swerve. It turned left at the last second, just missing the bridge. The terrified driver watched on as the flashing object flew east over the creek until it finally disappeared. Vampire Bat bites into a tale by Ambrose Bierce called Staley Fleming's Hallucination. Of two men who were talking, one was a physician. I sent for you, doctor, said the other. But I don't think you could do me any good. Maybe you can recommend a specialist in psychopathy. I fancy I'm a bit loony. You look all right, the physician said. You shall judge. I have hallucinations. I wake every night and see in my room, intently watching me, a big black Newfoundland dog 
with a white forefoot. You say you wake. Are you sure about that? Hallucinations are sometimes only dreams. Oh, I wake all right. Sometimes I lie still a long time looking at the dog as earnestly as it looks at me. I always leave the light going. When I can't endure it any longer, I sit up in bed, and nothing is there. Mm, what is the beast's expression? It seems to me sinister. Of course that I know that, except in art, an animal's face and repose has always the same expression. But this is not a real animal. Newfoundland dogs are pretty mild looking, you know? What's the matter with this one? Really, my diagnosis would have no value. I'm not going to treat the dog. <laughs> the physician laughed at his own pleasantry, but narrowly watched his patient from the corner of his eye. Presently, he said, Fleming, your description of the beast fits the dog of the late Atwell Barton. Fleming half rose from his chair, sat again, and made a visible attempt at indifference. I remember Barton, he said. I believe he was. It was reported that wasn't there something suspicious in his death? Looking squarely now into the eyes of his patient, the physician said, Three years ago, the body of your old enemy, Atwell Barton, was found in the woods near his house and yours. He had been stabbed to death. There had been no arrests. There was no clue. Some of us had theories. I had one. Have you? I? Why, bless your soul, what could I know about it? You remember that I left for Europe almost immediately afterward. A considerable time afterward. In the few weeks since my return, you could not expect me to construct a theory. In fact, I have not given the matter a thought. What about his dog? It was the first to find the body. It died of starvation on his grave. We do not know the exonerable law underlying coincidences. Staley Fleming did not, or he would perhaps not have sprung to his feet as the night wind brought in through the open window the long wailing howl of a distant dog. He strode several times across the room in the steadfast gaze of the physician. Then, abruptly confronting him, almost shouted, What has all this to do with my trouble, Dr. Halderman? You forget why you were sent for. Rising, the physician laid his hand upon his patient's arm and said gently, Pardon me, I cannot diagnose your disorder offhand. Tomorrow, perhaps. Please go to bed leaving your door unlocked. I will pass the night here with your books. Can you call me without rising? Yes, there is an electric bell. Good. If anything disturbs you, push the button without sitting up. Good night. Comfortably installed in an armchair, the man of medicine stared into the glowing coals and thought deeply and long, but apparently to little purpose for he frequently rose and opening a door leading to the staircase, listened intently, then resumed his seat. Presently, however, he fell asleep, and when he woke, it was past midnight. He stirred the failing fire. Lifted a book from the table at his side 
and looked at the title. It was Deniker's Meditations. He opened it at random and began to read. For as much as it is ordained of God that all flesh hath spirit and thereby taketh on spiritual powers, so also the spirit hath powers of the flesh, even when it is gone out of the flesh and liveth as a thing apart, as many a violence performed by wraith and Lemur sheweth. And there be who say that man is not single in this, but the beasts have the like evil inducement and... The reading was interrupted by a shaking of the house, as by the fall of a heavy object. The reader flung down the book, rushed from the room, and mounted the stairs to Fleming's bedchamber. He tried the door, but contrary to his instructions, it was locked. He set his shoulder against it, and with such force that it gave way. On the floor near the disordered bed, in his night clothes, lay Fleming, gasping away his life. The physician raised the dying man's head from the floor and observed a wound in the throat. I should have thought of this, he said, believing it suicide. When the man was dead, an examination disclosed the unmistakable marks of an animal's fangs deeply sunken into the jugular vein. But there was no animal. The Blood Moon is Setting Intruders in Indiana Part 2 and Tormented by Whispers was researched and written by Andrew Carey. Sources are in the show's notes. Staley Fleming's Hallucination was written by Ambrose Bears and it's in the public domain. Voiceovers provided by Andrew Carey and Melissa Chabom. Music and sound effects by Blood Moon Podcast. Other sound effects are from quicksounds.com and freesound.org. Thank you for listening.